seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 101 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of topics and issues that affect people both at and away from their computers and gaming tables. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and as we start into our new era, if you want to call it, at episode 101, mm-hmm. still have my main man, Brian Allen, here with me, dude. How's it going this week? Oh, pretty good. Doing lots of homework. <laughs> uh oh, doing lots of homework. Yeah. Oh, we with the kids started, so yeah. Ah, uh, that makes sense. I thought you were going to tell me about you started some college class I didn't know about no, or something. No, no. <laughs> that's the thing, you know. You think once you're through with college, like, oh, I'm never opening one of these algebra books again. Then you have kids, uh-huh. dude. Okay, sidetrack here as we start the show. But I was thinking about this the other day, like. Long story, but at one point, and maybe I'll talk about this another episode, but I actually wanted to teach some stuff, real world things that people need to high school juniors and seniors, because I realized I learned so much stuff in high school that I never have used in my adult life. For instance, the quadratic formula. I've literally used it twice. (laughs) Both times were on a test. That is it. Never once in my real life. And the second time it showed up on a test, I sat and stared at the problem for like two minutes and was like, how the hell? And I'm like, this must be the one time I'm going to use this, the last time in my life. And then I literally solved the problem. That was it. Some of the stuff we learn is just pointless. It really is. Like stuff like algebra, trigonometry, or not trigonometry, but geometry. Like I use that a fair amount, figuring out square footage and where stuff can yeah. fit. You know, like that all makes sense. But there's so many other things we just don't need. And we have so many people that come out uneducated that they don't understand you know, how to balance a checkbook, how to read a stock chart, how to figure out the best interest rates on things or whatever, things that would really be beneficial to helping them and helping their families live better and whatever. We just don't teach that stuff. And it's super disappointing. Would you say the average American even needs to know how to read a stock chart? Do you have stock, for example? Uh, I do, but very, very little. I'm only invested in a few things. Yeah, but, just so, I mean, do you even have enough that you got to chart it? <laughs> uh, I don't have to chart it. I'm a big fan of this long-term investment anyway. So there's stuff okay. I just sit and leave and just, you know, I get the things at the end of quarterly reports and then the things end of the years for tax purposes. But like the average person should at least be able to understand it and know, you know, how they can or can't invest, whether it's stocks I- or anything else for that matter. We, we did buy some AMC meme stock. Thank you, Shang-Chi. <laughs> hey, dude, I know some people. They got paid on some AMC, some GameStop, some Dogecoin. I know some people did all right on those things. So, But again, there were people who didn't even know what they were getting into. They were just like, well, I'm just going to buy some, and then we'll just yeah. see what happens because that's what everybody's doing. And it would have been – I think people, if they'd have been better educated, could have went in and made even more money if Absolutely. they understood everything around it. But as we get into everything else, as always, we got to say thank you to our patrons. So if you want to support the show, you can go over patreon.com slash color magic. But we got three new patrons we got to shout out this week. Jeremiah Ogle, James Downey, and the MTG strategist came along and supported us. So thank all three of y'all. Like, we appreciate that. All the support really is important. Matter of fact, I got all those postcards out into the mail the other day. Uh, Just... Really, really, really nice when you see a new name pop up and be like, man, people care about what we're doing. You know? 
Also, if you want to get some stuff for yourself, you can head over to colorofmtg.com slash shop and you can get some cool play mats and some tokens with our likeness on them. And speaking of, I had to pack some of those out last week. I had a couple of people who uh, pitched in, got a couple of play mats and a set of tokens. So thank All you right. for that. Yeah. Always love when that stuff comes through. And we got to give a shout out to our show sponsor, Cardsphere. So if you don't know, there's another place you could sell cards at if you haven't tried or find cards at, I should say. So if maybe you're on a different budget or you don't think cards are worth what they're selling for or whatever, you can go in and find people selling stuff at all different prices. So you can check them out and go do some shopping and, uh, you know, clear your books a little bit because maybe you want to go to a pre-release coming up. Maybe you want to get a box of the new Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Yeah, you know, unload some of your old stuff you're not using over on Cardsphere. So you can check them out over at cardsphere.com. Now, that leads us to an interesting thing that happened to me. This actually happened a couple weeks ago, but we didn't really get a chance to talk about it because we had our 100th episode last week. But I'm pretty sure I got hate banned from a subreddit. What? Yeah, that wasn't a thing like, I mean, I, I guess I like you always know you can be hated on for something and, you know, racism is a thing. So it's like you're, you're not ever really shocked that it happens, but sometimes you're still a little surprised. So let me tell you, first off, the subreddit was our standard MTG, right? And mostly because I was just looking around for places that had some standard content. Because I'm like, let me see what other people are doing or talking about or maybe what people are into. Because I do a lot of research when trying to figure out what I should be talking about or what decks I should cover or whatever. And I just stumbled upon the subreddit. So this was probably a month ago, maybe when I first found it. And I, eh, I guess at this point, about five weeks ago or ago. Anyway, but anyway, I, I started looking through and I'm realizing, though this subreddit has like a uh, thing at the time was like 2.2 thousand members. It only looked like it maybe had daily users online at the same time of a peak of maybe about 15 or 20. A lot of the content was just one or two posts a day, and it was mostly content creators, right? They were posting up videos to their stuff or write-ups about some deck or tournament, maybe to an article, but that's all it was. It wasn't a lot of like back and forth stuff. It was standard related things, usually pushing you towards some content item. And a lot of them, you could see where people had posted questions or comments and weren't really a lot of responses. So I was like, well, you know, this is a standard location. Let me share some of my stuff because people obviously be interested. And I can answer questions for people because, you know, people ask about decks or, you know, why certain card choices. And I'm like, oh, I'll respond to the stuff that seems keep it active. Seems like a good positive thing, right? It's good for the community. It's good for my platform. Why not? So I did this for a few weeks, I think about three weeks or so of, you know, when I was doing my normal rounds on socials, sharing my daily YouTube videos or whatever, I'd make a point to stop there, make a post, leave a comment, you know, that sort of thing. Well, one, I believe it was a Tuesday morning, I went to go log in, went to go leave a message and magically everything's kind of grayed out for me. And I'm like, well, what gives? So I realized I have a message. So I look at the message and it's like, hey, you've been banned from the subreddit for XYZ. You know, you should be posting things other than stuff just to harvest views for your content. Now, my first problem is like, okay, 
If that's against the rules, that's a legitimate thing. However, one, there's no rule posted because I looked very extensively at that point. There's nothing posted that says you can't do that. The second thing is that's literally all that's in the channel. There is nothing else in that subreddit. It is people posting their content and links to their content. That is it. And half of them aren't even interacting with the community, which I did. I literally responded to every single message that got posted on my stuff. 100%. So it wasn't even like I was just posting it and leaving it. The other was that there weren't that many views to harvest. I'm pretty sure at worst, that only cost me somewhere between four and 10 views a day on my YouTube channel, which isn't even that big of a thing. So it's not like I would, this was more offering something to the people in the subreddit than it was getting me views on my YouTube channel. So I was like, okay, whatever, man. I don't, none of this makes sense. None of this lines up, but whatever. But then I started looking and I'm like, okay, they must've went through and just started banning people. Nope, just me. Wow. Literally other people, I went and watched, I went and clicked on their things. All their links are still live. They, I've gone and checked the subreddit since. Some of those people have still posted stuff. None of their uh, different threads got closed. None of that. Literally, just me. That's so, I don't know what it was, but it was definitely some type of hate ban. Because I did, I even responded and said, hey, it's cool if I'm banned for breaking the rules, but could you at least please explain to me why my stuff was in violation because I can't find anything not trying to push and be a jerk. I'm just curious. So, uh, you know, I can correct other people if they decide to post here or whatever to make it easier. So you don't have to go ban people because, you know, I was thinking about saying, Hey, if y'all are doing standard content, here's a place you can share some stuff. Well, now I don't even want to tell the other creators to go there because I'm like, I don't even know the rules. Apparently no response. So I'm like, all I can chalk it up to some type of hate banning because, and again, don't want to necessarily make it racist, but that's the only thing I had different than what everybody else on there that was posting stuff had. So I don't even know. And I was more active. I was responding to more things. So if anything, I was being a better community member than they were, but somehow I'm the one that got banned. So I'm just like, all right, well, Again, it's not even the fact that it's because, like I said, as far as content wise, it's no loss to me. And it's one less place I have to worry about posting stuff every day. So I'm not really that butthurt over it. But it's more the idea of like. You didn't even try to pretend and give me a real reason that you can cite somewhere. You were just like, nah, I just want to ban this guy. And that's it. So, yeah, that's still out there. But no surprise, like it's Reddit, things happen, whatever. I don't think I like, I think I've had one or two positive group interactions on Reddit anyway. So I did, you know, I've told you before, they have a love hate relationship with my content as it is. Like people will praise me one day in starting threads about me that they will celebrate me. And then, you know, I'll find out two weeks later, somebody bitching about something I put up. So like, eh, it is what it is. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just a hate banning. Like, such a weird thing. Didn't even consider that would be a thing there, but is what it is. But, Brian, let's talk about some other fun stuff. Okay. As always, we're always trying to learn and get better. So, why don't we tell everybody what you learned last week? 
This is uh, some breaking news. This has happened or come across the wire like while we were doing our pre-show. Apparently, a Cake Assault had a really big win in a Rivals of Ether tournament uh, over the weekend. And I've seen this happen, you know, a couple of times in football and other sports, never before in video gaming. In his post-game celebration, he was jamming so hard, he dislocated his shoulder. Man, that is uh He popped <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, like I'm trying to think like how hard would I need to be like waving my arms in excitement to just pull it out of the socket or whatever. Like that that is some force. Right? Cause I'm with you. I've seen the NFL players where you know they've gone and celebrated and banged their head against the padding on the wall or whatever, and then yeah. you know. They concussed oh, themselves. Oh, that was a great one. I think it was Gus Farratt, I think, yeah. Yeah, concussed himself. I've, I've seen that happen. You know, I've seen some dudes jumping around and they, like, twist their ankle or something. Yep. But that's usually forced from an outside item. Like, like you said, somebody headbutting the wall. Or the yeah. I've never heard of somebody just throwing your arms up in celebration or whatever, and then, like, your arm just doesn't work. Like... <laughs> And I don't this, know, maybe it was because he had been, you know, crushing rivals of Aether for, I'm sure, hours and hours. I'd admit, maybe it was already ooh, you know, already tight. That is a good point. I mean, if he'd been playing off and on for, I don't know, let's say 12 or 14 hours for back-to-back days or something, maybe his shoulder yeah. was tight. Because I was just about to ask you, is this like a big dude or a small dude? Like. He seems, uh, especially by gaming standards, about a reasonable size. Okay, then yeah, I don't know. Because I was thinking, you know, I'm kind of thin. Like, maybe if it was just, like, a weak arm or something. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to find a way mentally to justify how this happens. But I think your explanation might be right. Like, if sitting there for multiple days. I mean, because I know I, I keep a, like, little padded wrist dress and some other things, you know, because sometimes I'm on my computer doing a lot of work for eight or 10 hours. So can relate. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a cautionary tale, you know, for your potential post game celebrations. I mean, people talk a lot though about, right. Like, you know, make sure you stretch your wrist, make sure you, you swing your arms around, get up and stretch your back or whatever. Right. So I, I get it. They're not joking. There's a a group of believe called Heroes of Fitness or in between there. I want to say Heroes of the Storm matches, you know, because it easily can take you sometimes seven, ten minutes to to find a match. And just during the time where they're already looking for a match, they kind of get up, you know, do some sit-ups or jumping jacks or whatever. Those are helpful tips. It's like most of our games. You got, you know, sometimes seven to ten minutes in between finding matches. That is the thing I miss since I started streaming, right? Yeah. Because like uh, with legal, not League of Legends, with uh, Team Fight Tactics, you have to go back in the lobby, you wait for it to find players or whatever. Usually not a long wait, usually anywhere between like a minute and like two minutes. But I used to use that time to like, eh, let me just stretch my legs a little bit. Let me do this, you know, but like when I'm on stream, I kind of have to be engaging people or talking or whatever because you don't want people to show up and you're not even in your seat, you know, waiting for the thing. So that I I've lost that option, but yeah, I'm with you. I used to like using that downtime to to do a couple things for sure. Sometimes it might just be let the cat out of the room because you know yeah. I know I'm going to be playing pretty serious for the next like 35 minutes or whatever. But yeah, it's it's interesting. 
So I did learn a few things last week. Uh, some boxer brief related, which by the way, there's going to be a big mm-hmm. boxer brief preview or not preview review coming in about two weeks. I'm on day. I was going to ask how you preview boxer briefs, and I was like, today <laughs> is day four of reviews. Uh, personal, I have to take all the notes, and I'm like measuring it. Like it's a process, but <laughs> I'm on day four. Uh, briefs number seven. I will have number eight this afternoon because there's a whole. I'll explain it in the video. There's a whole process, but anyway, we won't <laughs> get too much process. into that. I actually discovered something very interesting, which I didn't know was a thing. But for those of you that are that use YouTube regularly, if you have a channel that has subscribers and whatever, they send these newsletters or monthly reviews out of just like your stats and different things. And they'll usually highlight a few different, I guess, projects going on or whatever stuff that's going to be in the YouTube community. And there was a thing that they called YouTube Black Voices. But I realized it wasn't hashtag YouTube black voices. It was hashtag YouTube black space voices. So my mind immediately went, wait, that means hashtag YouTube black is a thing. So then I started going down a rabbit hole. And lo and behold, if you go to youtube.com slash hashtag slash YouTube black, there's a whole thing of just black YouTube creators. I was like, this has been here this whole time. I even went through and looked. Apparently around 2016, they did the equivalent of a big ass cookout with a bunch of the black YouTube creators. So there's content up there. As some like, I don't know, was it like 60,000 videos or something between uh, 7,000 channels or whatever from as early as 2016 to present day stuff. And so people aren't necessarily tagging like all their stuff with YouTube black, but if you wanted to find new black content creators in various spaces, that's been a thing. And I don't, I I didn't know either. Yeah. I didn't literally didn't know this existed, but there's people that are just like, you know, they're just personalities and entertainers. There's some people doing makeup stuff. There's, uh, like fitness people. So it's literally just like all types of things. But the YouTube Black Voices is a special program they're doing. They're dedicating some money to it to to raise some profiles and stuff. But I was just more surprised that YouTube Black was even a thing. Like a hashtag that people have been using to make it easier for people to find different black creators if you're just looking. Now, granted, you still have to do, right, refine your searches and stuff because, you know, you want to find people in your certain space or whatever. But yeah. I don't know, man. Like, do we need to start tagging our stuff over there with YouTube Black? Maybe we do. Like, I literally like this was mind blowing to me. I just found this out like forty eight hours ago or whatever. Like, I, I was stunned that I'm like, how did I not? So I learned today. It's just yeah, like right. But everybody I've told this has been like, what? I was like, yeah, this is a thing. So yeah, awesome. It's cool. I mean, credit to YouTube that they're at least doing something and they're putting stuff out there. And I guess this month they're starting to push it a little more and try to get the word out, which is why they have this voices program or whatever. But it's out there. Something to know about if you're interested. <laughs> How do you feel about that, man? Just like this thing that being there and you're just in the dark the whole time. I mean, I'm excited that it exists, but yeah, like you, I'm upset that I didn't know about it before now. I, I wish you, you know what I this needs? You know what this needs? 
right? <laughs> That's what this needs. Like, this was one of those moments where just like you learn something and you're just like, for real, right? You just have you that. Said other people you have told this to are like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like it's just one of those things. It's just like, hey, here's the thing. If you're just looking for more black people to follow, go check it out. Maybe you find somebody in some other category that you listen to or that you follow. Maybe you can go subscribe to their stuff. I don't know. But there's always and the reason I bring it up is there's always people saying, like, I don't know other black content creators to follow. Right. Like, I want to open my worldview. I want to have a more diverse awareness of things. But like, I don't know who to follow. And I get it because we've talked about it before, even in magic and stuff. Right? We've been part of the communities for a long time. There's still the random black creator that pops up. And I'm like, oh, hey, this person already has like 3000 views. And they've been doing this for like three years. Like, I just discovered some of them. Right. So. It's hard, right? Because of the, we talked about it before the way that algorithmics works, the way the recommendation systems work, like you sometimes are just not going to be exposed to those people unless they're tightly knitted into somebody else in your social circles or whatever. Sometimes it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. So it's cool to have a thing. Maybe, you know, there, I didn't see a ton of gaming stuff on there, but maybe there's other things you do use YouTube for. Maybe you can find somebody in those spaces as well. And that'll help your algorithmic searches a little bit, too. But let's get into some other news here. So we talk a little bit, I say a little bit, a lot, actually, uh, as our brands are what they are, about increasing diversity in the game industry. And being a former game store owner, I've obviously been part of like the Gamma organization, which is an organization for uh, manufacturers, game retailers, all that. And there was discussion a little while back about, hey, how do we increase diversity? You know, I've talked to a couple of people who are on their, their board and stuff before and a bunch of good people, honestly. So I don't, and again, I don't think it's about just any of them ever trying to keep people out. I think it's just more of like, okay, hey, how do we make sure we're just more welcoming and open and getting more of these people in? And to that end, they started what they call the Horizons program. And that's specifically to give grants and instruction and support to a more diverse background of people trying to come into the game industry or trying to better their businesses within the game industry. And they reached out this week and said, like, hey, could we highlight the fact that they have selected, from what I understand, their first round of folks for this initial program, which, by the way, they are wanting to make this international. But currently, it's just in the United States. I guess you can consider what they're doing now, like the pilot program. But they are looking for a few more people to be mentors for these people they are gonna, that are going to be part of this initial part of the program. And, you know, if you've ever run a business or you are involved in the game industry, maybe if you have just expertise to lend, maybe you have some type of business background, accounting background or whatever that could be helpful to some of these store owners or business owners, reach out to them. You know, they're looking for people to be mentors right now uh, to help people who might actually, one, need the help, but two, get it directly from people who have the real world experience of doing it. Uh, you can go to their website. It is gamma, G-A-M-A dot org slash page slash horizons. So if you want to check that out, I think they'd be really appreciative to have people. You know, we get nothing for this. They're not paying us. This is literally just like, hey, this is an awesome program. It's cool that they're doing it. If you're able to help and support, 
give maybe a couple hours a week, maybe to somebody who has some questions. Cool, go for it. That's a way you can, you know, people always ask, how do I do my part? How do I help increase diversity? How do I support different communities? How do whatever? Like you don't necessarily have to have money. Sometimes just the things you know are good enough to pass that on to somebody else to help them succeed. And this is one of those times, right? You can give up a little bit of your expertise and a little bit of time, no dollars, and that could still be huge to somebody. Because I, I can talk from experience, man. When I started, I didn't know anything. I mean, I literally took a one. I took over a business where the guy running it didn't really do things well. And I've told many, many people before the first two, maybe even three years I was in business. I really didn't learn enough. Like it was all learning on the fly and making tons of mistakes. And I basically spent year four, five and six making up for all the mistakes from years one, two and three. You know, just either things where I lost money or I could have made more money or ways I could have promoted better. You know, just hell had understanding why I had a third different type of tax to pay or whatever it was, you know, like so many of those things that I just didn't know that I just had to learn through process. And I I won't say it was like overly stressful, but it was there was a lot of annoyances that slowed me down because I just didn't even know I needed to be prepared for them. So. I'll be the first to say, if somebody can share that knowledge with somebody, man, go for it. Like, it is huge. So, yeah, that's the way you can support. Again, it's gamma.org slash page slash horizons if you want to be a mentor for that program. So, Brian, like, I want to say, how do you feel about these types of things, right? When when an organization decides, okay, we're going to actively push diversity to this level and create a whole program and whatever, like, how do you feel about that? It's really the only way diversity happens, because if we just let things go along their natural course, we've seen time and time again, we end up with a bunch of white dudes. It just and a lot of times it's not even something they do intentionally. It's just what happens because, you know, you go from your own network of contacts. Yeah, it's, it's you know, who exists and who, you know, already. You have to actively make that effort and say that it's, it makes people upset. Like, oh, well, why are you disqualifying white people? And no, it's you have to actually go out and seek diversity. It doesn't just organically happen. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think there's a lot of people who believe like, oh, well, it would naturally happen if it was a thing. Like, no, it doesn't. And there's a lot of reasons to that. Part of it is people on the outside looking in, look and go like, oh, I'm obviously not welcome in that space. Right. Because there's nobody else there that looks like me. Like, I've and I've told you before, like, there was a point where I was the black guy at most meetings or rooms of business owners in the game industry. Right. And it was a little weird. You know, don't get me wrong. I've been the token black dude in many situations. But right. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. But like, it, it was a little weird, you know, and people. I don't even and I've told you before, I don't even think they realized that some of the things they were saying or doing when they were speaking to me that were different. But they also weren't used to speaking to anybody else who wasn't a darker skinned person in their space. So I could see how people would be like, ah, man, this is weird. I don't think I want to be here. You know, I went to, you know, a a chamber event where, again, these are the the business leaders of the community. And I mean, out of probably 300 people. I am the only person of color in the building. It just, it's like, how did it? Yeah, and it's 
even though everybody's happy and friendly and shaking hands, that's just intimidating. Oh, dude, I could, yeah, I from the chamber thing, I can tell you, I've, I don't know if I was the only person of color because there were some other Hispanic folks and stuff in there, but I was for sure many times the only black guy at a couple of meetings. Like that, that's a thing that happened. And it is a little weird when, you know, somebody's like, okay, here's what we're going to do for, I don't know, like Black History Month or whatever. And you're like, okay. But a bunch of not black people made the decisions. Yeah. Awesome. And, and, and this event happened in the <laughs> same community where I think I've shared this story on the podcast before where it was time to do a Black History Month story. The only black person we could find was a starting running back on the high school football team. Yeah, see, that's messed up. <laughs> he wasn't even good. He was, we were just both sitting, sitting there looking at each other extremely confused as to why this was happening. But yeah, we could that's, find that's rough. no one else. That's rough. So, yeah, like it, it's, it's, I get it, man. I, you do have to have people actively going out and trying and making it better, raising the profile of the people that are different, you know, to say that, like, hey, those people do exist in our space. Like we do welcome those people in our space. Even even on a different level. Like we talk sometimes about how to get more women to game regularly, to show up to game stores, to participate in events. And sometimes it was even the simplest thing of saying, okay, one, let's change how we interact specifically with women that come in so they feel welcome. And some of that is you know, I, I, even in my store, I think I told you why I had my I talked to my people. And so when a couple comes in, you address the woman first. Because one, she might actually be here for herself and not just be here because of the dude. I said, and two, if she feels comfortable, sadly, in a lot of relationships, he's going to get more kitchen passes to come game. Like, let's just be real about it. Right. Right. And we had a lot of women that came in and said like, man, this place is so friendly. It's cool that y'all talk to me when I come in and y'all aren't ignoring me and blah, blah, blah. And like, even just that little bit went a long way. You know, I tell people having some feminine products in your bathroom. So in case they're there at an event and there's an emergency or whatever, they don't have to feel weird leaving to go get something or, you know, not showing up because they might have something happen or whatever. Like they don't, it's just cool. You understand that some of your customers may need this other thing and you make it available. Doesn't cost you very much. It's just a nice thing to have. And it shows that you care and you give a damn, you know, little things like that make it to where, Oh, okay. They really do care that I'm here. You know, and a woman can look and say, okay, somebody actually took time to think about, I might be here, you know, and, and that's enough. And I think that applies to so many things. It's just like, Man, sometimes you got to go that little extra just so another group of people understands that, yes, you are welcome here. Regardless of what it looks like, we are making the steps to make it okay for you to be here. And that's why I like these types of programs. And specifically finding people who already have the experience to come in and help these folks so they're not making all the mistakes and they don't have to go try to look for help that they don't know who to ask or might understand or whatever because you because like you said like there are times you're already intimidated and then now you're like okay not only are you having to overcome this intimidation you also have potentially a life-changing decision you're having to make and you don't even know how to approach some people about it right so yeah i i'm usually in favor of these things and as long as they're not 
overly performative. You know, like in this case, it's just like, hey, this organization already exists. It's a thing we want to make better. We're handling it this way on a small scale. They're not out like bragging about it, trying to make big ads about it. They're saying, hey, it's a thing we're just doing in the industry to try to make it better. And it feels very grassroots, community supported. Like I'm totally behind it. So again, if you have the skills or something business related, you think you can help somebody out with, if you worked in the game industry and you want to share your knowledge, check it out. Again, the website is gamma.org slash page slash horizons. But that brings us to our next topic. So I'm not sure if you saw the content this weekend, Brian, around the flesh and blood, uh, whatever they call it. I can't remember what they called their tournament. But this the, their, the Vegas event? Yeah, their Grand Prix okay. equivalent. Yeah. The Calling. That's what they're calling their, their Grand Prix. It was The Calling Las Vegas. It looks like they had about a thousand-ish people show up to the venue. I think the main event had something like 750-ish people participate. I think a bunch of people showed up on Friday for the the pre-release sort of thing that they did. And I, I think I, I have some personal view. I think some people showed up more because they can get some cards early. They can try to profit off of them because there's some money in the market of flesh and blood and whatever. Get some first edition cards, that whole thing. So I'm, I'm kind of somewhat, for the sake of the discussion, ignoring the Friday event a little bit because I don't think that's players i some of them are obviously but i didn't think some of that was driven by other things especially considering that people made a trip for that and that had like a thousand people but then the main event only had 750 you know but heard mostly good things about how the event was run you know uh, i saw the cosplayers saying some positive things about the community so that was good i will also say i do think because I'm seeing some other, I've talked to some people who've been to some of these other conventions I haven't gone to since, you know, COVID or whatever, but they've had like PAX. We just had Dragon Con. I believe this weekend is, is Gen Con. And I've been keeping in touch with a few people. And it sounds like etiquette and community behavior has changed already because of COVID. I think people are already like, I'm trying to think of the best way to word it. Like, it, it, I guess being more aware of each other's space a little bit, you know, and I think just because of the whole viral situation and everything else. So that, that part is good. You know, they did have a mask mandate for the flesh and blood event. So that was good coverage. Could have been better. I think channel fireball is learning how to deal with a new game. So I imagine the yeah. next one will be even better. And we say that after each magic tournament, too, usually. Sure. It could have been better. So. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's always something you learn. The one thing I will say that I think, well, there's two things. I think that hurt flesh and blood as a, a spectator sport is that their game states are very complicated. Like, there's a lot of times you're stacking up multiple effects because somebody's attacking and you're blocking. But then there might be another one because somebody had to go again and they're trying to do a thing and trying to resolve something. And then this character has an ability that lets them spend one of their thing and put points on another thing, right? So if you don't really know the game, there's a lot of moving parts. Like there were turns, if you're watching, where there were sometimes 15 cards they got played and they're laying on the field. And like, even with the commentators telling you, it's a little hard to follow if you don't know the game yet. 
the other thing that doesn't help them is the way their cards are designed because there's stats for how many resources there's i think stats for the points that it costs there's uh, a box for the defense value the attack value the actual stats on the card of what it does and some of those numbers like like the attack and defense are pretty small on the card they would have really done themselves a little bit of justice by doing like an insert cut on either side and making the numbers bigger i think would have been very good especially for coverage so i don't know if that's something maybe they change in a future design on the card face or whatever because i think that would help a lot but and i don't know do you mm-hmm. do, do you feel like uh there, there's going to be enough coverage where that's the thing you actually put into your card design uh i would i think because I can see if, you know, players, like, if people at the table are saying the numbers are too small, it's one thing. But I don't know how much. Well, that's exactly what I was about to bring up, because I was showing them to my my wife, because I'm, I'm dabbling in the game to try to understand it a little more, and, you know, she's willing to learn it with me or whatever. And because you have some cards that come in red, yellow, blue that are named the same, but they have different stats, sometimes even do different things, you can't automatically assume. And if you can't read the number easily from across the table, like you're kind of like, Oh, let me pick that up. Which one is that again? Oh yeah. Okay. That's the one that's four damage and not three damage. Okay. You know, like there's a lot of that where it'd be nice if it was just easier to read. So those, those are my flaws with it, but overall the event looked good. Coverage was good, you know, whatever. Now I bring up that event to say we have other events like the SCG con, which Star City's been talking about online, that people were going ham on about they need to have either a vaccine or a test mandate to participate in the event. Now, let me say, first off, I would not be against this. Like, I think more places should have a mandate if they want to keep people safe in crowded events. Not saying you need to go out and get the vaccine, though, I think it would be a great idea. But if you're choosing not to get it, then that's kind of the punishment that comes with that. Like, you can't go jeopardize other people because you chose not to get the vaccine. So I would not be upset about that. That said, what did rub me the wrong way, that people who are, or at least seem like they're in support of masks and vaccines, seem to have been okay celebrating and talking positively about all the coverage and everything that happened at the Flesh and Blood event. But a few of those same faces I saw hopped into some of these discussions that were bashing SCG for not having a vaccine or test mandate. When the only thing at the Flesh and Blood event was a mask mandate, which SCG also has. So I'm just like, okay, we got to be consistent here. Like, if you like I mean, one, you like the other. Can we uh, can we say a name or is that you know? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not gonna drag anybody. I'm I'm not gonna do that. But it's just one of those things that like cool. If we're gonna do that, let's be consistent. If you're gonna be mad at one thing, but here's but here's the thing though. It also showed that some people are just willing to be more mad at a product or a company or a game. And they let another thing fly because, oh, well, I'm into this and I like these people or I want this to succeed or whatever. So I'm not going to bash it. Right. That was the problem I have with it. It could like, also be paid because it's pretty obvious Flesh and Blood is doing an AAW and they are aggressively pursuing magic content creators, which I get it. It's a smart plan. 
Sure. And, I, and I'm ignoring those that I mean, because even like Tappy Toe Claws did a positive review and everything. And she but she openly said, like, hey, they did pay me to come out and be a cosplayer, be at the event. Yeah, whatever. which is absolutely yeah. what people should do if they're, yeah. you know, if they're being and paid. I got no problem with that. Go get paid, girl, for real. <laughs> like, like, do your thing. But for the people that weren't, I'm just like, OK, look, and again, it's good you bring up that AEW thing, right? Because there's things that I have pointed out that like, well, AEW does this kind of crappy. But like you're giving them a free pass, but they're going to be mad at WWE for doing the same thing or call them out on it. Right. Like if if that's a thing, if it's a drawback, it's a drawback for both. Right. You can't just be like, oh, it's OK over here, but not OK over here. Like, let's let's be real about it. And that was kind of kind of my gripe about this. Right. When, but it comes back to the other conversation we had. Right. When people say, well, why doesn't Wizards announce more things or do more stuff right now? Like we're having these fights and discussions for days online over one event at one city in the u.s and you're talking about them having to schedule who knows 30 40 events in 25 countries or whatever right like they're not in the mood to deal with that right now like when you got all these different countries some of them still struggling with covid some of them in their third or fourth lockdowns some of them still aren't having travel in or out of the country Hell, you don't even know if even if you booked a venue, if you wouldn't have to be rebooking or moving it in 60 days anyway. Like, of course, they're waiting. I get it. And seeing it's how people smart of Wizards yeah. to just let other individual people deal with this. I think that's what we're going to see how because people are just obviously, you know, where Wizards has money to sit on. Let's say who is with Star, Star City, I think is doing. This yeah. Event. Yeah. They don't have the billions to sit on. They're going to have to make decisions. And that's. <laughs> It's wise of wizards to let other people fight these individual battles and then kind of just take in the data and see how it goes. Yeah. I, and I'm with them, right? Until you see how, you know, did, did people get sick at any events? What are the long-term ramifications? Hell, I can even tell you here in the state of Washington, we're already back to a mask mandate for large events over 500 people, indoor or outdoor, doesn't matter. You go to a Husky game to a Seahawks game, whatever, still got to be masked. And there's even talks that that might get further restricted, right? And that's basically in Wizards' backyard. So, yeah, they are having to be very careful about what they schedule and where they put stuff. And then when you we see how people... have our uh, epidemiologists, because I don't know how you go about tracking the, the COVID spread from a Magic tournament. I'm sure nobody from the city is probably doing that. No, the only thing you do is they set up... Different companies and events have set up sites so you can report things and then you know they can then further report those or whatever up the line that's the only way to do it really there's not like i got sick and then i went to this one venue or whatever but because at that point those will be reported but until i guess there's a report like hey okay now we've seen like 50 people that went to this convention or this show or whatever and yeah, yeah then it becomes a thing and they'll start talking about it but I have seen a few places set up like, hey, we're setting up this email or this website or whatever for you to be able to report like, hey, if you do come down with something, let us know so we could warn other people and, you know, that sort of thing. Like, did Hunter Burden, did, did that event have anything where you could uh, sign up? Ron, Aaron did put that out there that he, he made an announcement and it was, I believe, posted online that if people had any issues to f feel free to report to this thing and, you know, whatever. But to my knowledge, nothing got reported. So, I mean. Either people did get sick and didn't say anything, which probably does happen, 
Yeah. Or nobody got sick and then nobody said anything. So it's possible we'd be, to be carrying a viral load if you don't become symptomatic. You never, you never exactly. know. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, there's no way to know. So it, it's a tough thing. Like, and, and like I said, I'm for more restrictions right now till we get things under control. You know, I've, I've even seen up here, you know, in Washington, that's it. the main, the big Seattle hospitals have made an announcement over the last week that they're cutting out all elective surgeries, you know, and there, and there've been hospitals down South that have already cut those out a long time ago, but they're to that point because they've even had to take in people from Eastern Washington and stuff, because for those you don't know, the dynamics of the state of Washington are very weird. Uh, Western Washington, largely, man, I don't want to sound very derogatory, but really largely educated, uh, <laughs> technologically savvy, you know, the whole different mentality. When you go on the other side of the Cascades in Eastern Washington, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it is, it is. I'm, I mean, he says he doesn't want to be derogatory. I'm being real though, man. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, let me put it this way we went camping uh, last year, right? Just to get out, oh. do something, whatever, knowing we can get away from people. Went camping, other side of the mountains, drove back. We stopped at a little stand to get some fruit. I think it was like cherries and something else the guy was selling. We pull up and there's three of us. And we're the only ones wearing masks. Like, and that, well, that's not true. Us and the dudes at the stand. But literally, there's like a little little shop, like a little, I don't know, if it, was, it was some type of little restaurant shop set up. Like there was people sitting around there, people hanging out at their cars. There's a little shopping center nearby. Like people are just going about normal, like nothing's happening. You know, and we're just looking around and people are looking at us like we have a third eye or something. And it's like, all right, cool. I guess I'll we'll just grab our stuff and get on. We ain't stopping anywhere here to eat. You know, like, like we're just, we'll just keep going. So yeah, just whole different world. And unfortunately, and what's hap happening? That's the thing that people running events are going to have to battle too. Is like, you're, there's going to be different, just different communities. You know, and you gotta you're running your magic tournament in your local community. So if you're surrounded by people, you know, that are just seriously anti-vax and hate masks and you have the, yep. try to have those requirements, people aren't going to show up and then you're going to be, you said you're going to be in trouble. And honestly, that was the whole reason I skipped out on the Vegas thing. Cause I kind of wanted to be there for content purposes, but the reality yeah. is I know people lived in there. I talked to them about it and they basically said, if you were going to like the poker rooms or you're doing something on the business side, all of that stuff is masked, clean, taken care of regularly, whatever. But if you're just walking around the city and in the casinos and where there's a bunch of people who just don't give a crap, you know, like, so I was like, all right, cool. I'm good. Then I don't need to be around that. They're gambling with their life <laughs> as well as their money. But, but to put things in perspective, Seattle sits in King County in, in the state of Washington. King County had surpassed, I believe it was 75% as of two or three weeks ago, of everybody having at least one shot. And I believe they were over 68 or 70% of everybody being fully vaxxed. And they still have hot problems with their hospital because they're having to take in people from elsewhere because a lot of the other hospitals yeah. are full. You know, that that's the situation we're in, that even places where they are doing things right, they're trying to pitch in and help, and now their resources are being taxed because all the other places aren't doing their job. So I totally get why 
people want there to be these mandates at events that they're going to because it's still a problem. Right. It sucks. Like we want to say, ah, it's getting better. So yeah, slightly better, but it's still a problem in some spots. And the unfortunate part is I'm lucky. I live in an area where it's really good and people are doing good about getting vaccinated or whatever. But I also know there's a lot of places I don't want to go travel to or go do things. Yeah. I was going to say my area, not as much. Yeah. Because I know they're, they're not handling their business, but it sucks because I, I shared a thing the other day because I had friends in Hawaii that were complaining because they were doing really well with COVID. But then magically, people decided they wanted to keep traveling. Now they're having COVID crises in in Hawaii, and they can't do things, and it's getting worse, and their hospitals are backed up, whatever. And people are still flying in by the thousands to Hawaii, bringing stuff to the island. And it's like, what are we doing? So I get it on an event level why people are like, hey, we need more mandates. Like, I don't feel good. Like... There's a limit somewhere around four or five hundred where I think people start going like, OK, bigger than this, like I am not going to be comfortable. Because I think mentally that's where my cutoff is. Like because I because I, I think in my I've seen enough venues, I think that in my head, logistically, I'm like, OK, if we put two thousand people in some of these spaces, like it's still going to be somewhat crowded. Right. Like I, I'm not going to be able to get away from people without going outside away from the building regularly and that's not a thing i want to do all day long to just talk to people or whatever so i'm probably not going i didn't i didn't go to pax west and it was in my backyard effectively yeah. i could have easily driven to it went to it my only thing is i applied for a press badge because i figured if i got one of those i could at least go early because i usually have a window where press can get in for like 30 minutes or 40 minutes before the the halls open or i could go late and then I wouldn't have to be around a bunch of people. But without that, I wasn't going to go. So I didn't. I didn't get approved, so I didn't go. But it, it's a tough thing. I mean, and I just tell people, like, we, whatever you want, as far as rules, mandates, whatever, be consistent. So we can make that the industry norm. Right? If you're, you're going to say, like, hey, you want SAG to have a thing? Cool. Then push for everybody to have the thing. And then if they decide among them as organizers or whatever that, this is our minimum and this has worked, then cool. We all now know we are going to go or not go to an event and we can just see what happens. Right. But it's frustrating to see people give a pass to one event and, oh, yeah, everything was great. Talk so highly. I hope this game takes off, blah, blah. More people should play it, whatever. And then we're over here trying to vilify SCG because they don't have the mandate or whatever. Yet they have the same things in place or at least announced all the same things that they just had at the Flesh and Blood event. So it's like, come on, y'all. Like, we we got to gotta be better about that. But guess what? There's a new magic set coming. So have you gotten a chance to finally sit down and look at all the stuff from Innistrad and Midnight Hunt, brother? I have. I mean, I love, you know, horror and werewolves and all these things. This is probably, I would say probably my favorite plane. You're not the only one. Uh, and this is to me, this is a good example of how, like, I don't need to like a thing for it to still be OK. Right. I'm not a horror fan. I don't necessarily care about zombies, werewolves, whatever. But I look around and see how many people are happy about it. And I'm like, all right, cool. This is a not everything has to be exactly for me. I, there's still a lot of fun cards. There's a, actually there's a lot of fun cards in the set. 
I was speaking of, if you hadn't seen my content, I've already put up a whole bunch of stuff about the set. So feel free to go look. But yeah, I'm I'm digging it, man. I, I think it's the both the I guess you want to say the shakeup that people wanted for standard. I think this is going to make it feel different, which is nice. Not because I mean, there's always a shakeup every fall, but I think this is one of those times the different decks you see in strategies or whatever are going to feel very different than what we've been playing with at least for the last like six or six to nine months. And I think that's a big thing. Plus we're going to lose, you know, L drain, which was insanely overpowered. So, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about it. I think just like that whole, like maybe even all the way back to war of the spark has just been kind of like we talked about before you peak in Valley and power level, yeah. you kind of like build up. And I think we were at the peak. We got a year of that. And now we're coming back down the other side of just like, okay, now we're going to slowly rebuild starting from the bottom and do it over again. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it doesn't mean I think sometimes people take that to mean like, ah, oh, the cards are all going to be really bad or whatever. But I think all it really is, is cards become less obvious. Yeah. You know, because there were cards. If you went back through the sets, like I said, go back to War of the Spark. Look at Theros, you know, whatever, like the cards that are good, you quickly identify that they're good. There was only maybe a couple of cards that I think flew under the radar and eventually got played or, or drew attention. But a lot of the big cards, most content creators picked out very early on. You know, if you saw people talking about them on Twitter, you saw people's top 10 list or whatever. And most people had probably six or seven cards that were on everybody else's top list out of each of those sets, right? There weren't very many surprises. But I feel like with... Innistrad Midnight Hunt, I think there's several cards. I'm like, ah, this could have a home. Like, maybe there's a place you play this. This card has some cool stats. I don't know, really know how good it is. You know, I'm, there's a lot of those conversations I'm having right now with people. Had a good stream last night where people were asking a bunch of different questions. And some of it was like, ah, it just depends on which way the metagame goes. You know, like, like this thing might be the bomb, might never get into a deck at all. Right. And I And I'd rather have that. I think more cards get an opportunity. I think the format's just going to feel different. I, I, yeah, there's very little for me to dislike, I think, about the set. What I, what I would ask you is, I guess, do you have your eyes on anything in particular going into, I guess, week one, since the set will be live while people are probably listening to this yeah. or about to be live? God, this is just flying by. Um, I, I, I'm excited about the, you know, the, the werewolves change or, okay, you don't, because the whole idea of an aggro tribe built on not playing spells just didn't work. So the, the, something had differently had to be done. there. That's a good point. I think one of the things that happened with the old werewolf mechanic is you ended up sometimes with like somewhere on the front face and somewhere on the back face. And it was like a little weird. Yeah. Whereas now it's kind of like, the whole pack is going to be werewolves or they're going to be not werewolves, you know, because it's either day or it's night. <laughs> and I think thematically that feels cooler to me, which is like, Hey, if it's night and there's going to be werewolves, we're all werewolves. Yeah. And if, again, for, for what I was pretty much going to be an aggro tribe, you don't want to be like, okay, I could play this really big pump, but then I can't transform. So I'll just, 
kind of stand here and do nothing and wait for it to be nightfall, which technically is what a werewolf probably has to do to some extent, but it just wasn't fun to play. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's what you hit on that's important there is the the entertainment factor. I think from a design standpoint, everything feels like it's fil- built to go into different themes, which is good. I think people like playing theme decks. I think we need more of them. I think just simple strategies that people like get a little bit of a bump. There was decent stuff. And every- I-, I love the fact that there- it feels like there was decent stuff in every color, but also things that were probably going to be fun to build around or have one or two of in your deck. And I think people like doing that, especially in the world of the ladder where people are playing just a bunch of games, you know, every day or whatever. It's like cool to be able to break it up with just fun cards and still not cripple your deck. So, yeah, I'm I'm into it, man. I think this is going to be really good. I think this being a centerpiece set going into the next year you know, for rotation, I think is good. Cause there's a lot of little, even little stuff like duress being brought back. I think it's such a good, simple card. That's really good from a discard perspective that it's nice to just have that in the environment. I mean, I would like to just have the duress available in standard all the time. So it's kind of cool that it kind of snuck under the radar. I, I, matter of fact, I put it mm-hmm. on one of my lists and I had people ask me like, is duress standard legal? I'm like, yeah, dude, it's in midnight hunt. I'm like, Oh, I missed that on the list. I was like, yeah, it was just there on like the last day of the, all the commons and uncommons that got previewed. It kind of just snuck in there, but it, yeah, it wasn't a zombie or a vampire. So people just kind of, <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. The radar. Yeah. It didn't fit. Want to check one of the big boxes, but yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on that. We'll probably have more to say next week after we play with it a little bit more, but Let's get to the dinner table and and talk about something kind of interesting. One of the things I see come up a lot, and I think when I was talking to you pre-show, you know, there's there's a guy I follow on social media who he's into fighter games and he's, he's struggled a bit trying to learn various characters or whatever. And you can see him like losing self-worth because he's not able to do well at a couple of these games. And that kind of reminded me that people tend to do that with a lot of different gaming stuff. That for whatever reason, even when they're playing for no stakes, right? There's there's no prizes. There's no bonus rewards in game. There's, there's nothing. You're just playing a game with your downtime. But people... Gamers as a whole, there's so many of them still put pressure on themselves to have to be good at a thing and not really even be able to just enjoy it for the sake of enjoying it. But the fact that, like, don't get me wrong, like, I, I, I'll i use myself as an example, right? Playing Storybook Brawl. I couldn't, like, I literally, I've probably played 50 games of that and I got my first win last night. Nice. But at no point did I go like, that's it. I can't play games anymore. Like my life's <laughs> over. I suck at the world, you know, whatever, because I can't win at storybook brawl. Right. Like that's not, that shouldn't be a thing. You know what I did? I disconnected and I went and petted my cat or I just went and decided, well, that's enough of that for one night. Let me go play another game and move on. Right. Like there's, we're not all going to be great at everything we play or everything we do, but especially if you have nothing at stake, you've lost nothing. If you don't enjoy it and it's making you feel bad, just go play another game. 
Hell, especially if you're playing on PC, Lord knows Steam's always giving crap away or giving you like 50 games for $10 or whatever. Like you can Epic go find also. another game. Epic doing that as well. Yeah, there's definitely plenty of content to be played out there. Like, do you see this the same activity from people? Oh, there's definitely. I've talked about this how, you know, that where con or you know, content gaming literally is our jobs, and there'll be people that are taking this match of, you know, Overwatch or Madden or whatever far more seriously than what I am. Yeah, see, and that's another thing, right? If somebody's even, well, even doing content, right? You don't have to be like being good at a game doesn't have to be your brand, right? There's some people that just play it and goof off. There's some people that play some games from a role playing perspective, right? There's you can do a bunch of different things. Now, if it is your goal to be good at a game or to reach the top ranks or whatever, and that's what you base your content around, at least I can accept that person being upset. You know, because it could potentially cost them money or food on their table. So that much I get. But for just the average person with nothing invested, like you got to give yourself an outlet to take that pressure off yourself. That is not healthy. Like, I can't imagine. Like, I mean, okay, let's say in your shoes, right? Madden just came out. Maybe you were good at last season's Madden. There's a bunch of new things. How do you handle, especially like the first few weeks where you're getting comfortable with the game and the players and whatever, the new mechanics, if you're not doing well? Uh, I mean, for, from a content standpoint, like, hey, okay, there, there's new mechanics. It's a good, it's a good thing, you know, because you hate it if everything works exactly the way last year did. So definitely early, the focus of my content was, hey, this feature is different. This money play doesn't work anymore. And it's more about, you know, hey, this is because, you know, the, the joke is always that nothing changes but the cover. And no, a lot of times they they mixed it like this year was the momentum meter is a huge thing that changes the way the game is played. Some people hate it. Some people love it. But I mean, everybody that's played has some kind of an opinion on it. Yeah, that's a good thing, too, right? You could just make the focus something other than just the games. I think that's something people miss. Now, that being said. I did post about some knuckleheads who came into my YouTube channel this week griping that I didn't have gameplay footage of all the new decks I was showing when Innistrant Hunt doesn't even release until this week. But the decks have new cards in them. Yeah, that's a thing. You gotta, you know, you gotta so, look at the whole video before you start whining about the video. Yeah, so there are those people that will always be mad about something. And you kind of have to just ignore those people, right? They, whatever, only want game plan. They only want the top decks. And I've literally had people go like, well, I don't know why you built this, where there could have been a better card. Or I was like, I literally built a theme deck, dude. <laughs> like, yes, there are better options. I purposely chose not to use them because that wasn't the content you came to watch today. So you have to ignore those people. Don't let those outside forces put that pressure on you. If it's not what you're aiming for, as long as you're hitting your target, screw them. Like, they're not important. They can go watch something else. There's literally hundreds of other people they can go watch within your genre. They can go do that. Right? You're, you're not going to miss them. They're not going to miss you. And, so, again, you will recommend, hey, if you like this type of deck, this type of content, go watch this person. Yeah, I've done that before. I'm like, hey, if you want to watch best of three play, and you want to watch aggro decks, whatever, you can go watch Rumpty. He plays best of three mono green every season, no matter what it is. 
That's his preferred deck. If you want to go watch that, go for it. And Rumpty's good. I will totally recommend him to people. I have no problem sending people. It says Because the thing is, you're not going to be happy with me regardless. So at least if I can send you somewhere where you're happy and I know that content creator is quality, I have no problem helping boost them up and make somebody happy. But I'm not going to change my content to try to match something that you want. Like, obviously, I'm doing well and being successful doing this thing for other people. They're OK with it. You obviously are the one that's not. So, yeah, don't let those people bring you down for sure. But I think it's just one of those things. Just overall, we have to stop as gamers putting a lot so much value in winning. I'm not saying like you shouldn't ever try to win or whatever. I mean, hell, I have board games I own that I haven't won the last five or six times we've sat down to play it. And some of those games are some of my favorite games, but I still just have fun with the experience of the game. I don't have to win all the time, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I do get frustrated. I mean, I've anybody follows me on Twitter. Like I've had days where I'm like, what am I doing wrong in team fight tactics where somebody else gets five top level champions and I only end up with one at the end of the game. Like, what did I not do? You know, like, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, I guess I'm just going to quit making content on everything. Cause I just can't win at team fight tactics or whatever, you know, like, no, that just means I have to learn more to be better at that particular game. Like that's okay. And if I'm never top level at it, great. I still had you know, last season, I couldn't get above gold four and kept getting relegated down to silver one and going back and forth for the last like four weeks of the, the season. But I just kept playing because I enjoyed the game, even though I wasn't like I pretty much found my skill ceiling mm-hmm. and then just went, all right, this is about as high as I'm going to hit this season. I'm just going to have fun with it. And then I just made it a running gag in my content. So when people came by to watch me stream it, it was just like, well, are we getting relegated tonight or not? Like, you know, and, <laughs> right. and, and that was the thing. You start playing with it. Right. So now people know. And if they're showing up like, dude, I suck at this, obviously. I'm just here to have a good time. And people just enjoy the vibe and we chat about stuff. And then you either watch me lose or you celebrate the win. And we're like almost at a goal four. And then that lasts like two games and then we're down to silver one. But (laughs) it's a thing. You don't have to be good at every single thing. Like I get it. Sometimes we really want to. Right. That's a real thing. Like sometimes you're like, man, I really like this game. I want to be good at it. I want to be competitive at it. Whatever. But the reality is, unless you're going to put a lot of extra time to mastering your craft, right? just understand what your ceiling is. Right. Same thing for me, like with Teamfight Tactics. I knew last season, like, I'm not getting out of goal four. Like, I realized I still had a lot to learn. I was only willing to play a couple of games a night of it. I wasn't going to be grinding enough to get good enough to get out of that. So I just accepted that. Like, that was already my new high water mark anyway. I'm good. And I'll just leave it be. There's other games I'm better at, and I can be better at those. I've told you before, like, I go bowling, and I suck at bowling. I actually turn people down when they're trying to give me tips to be a better bowler. <laughs> I literally do. I have people, like, you know, if you were to step over, like, whatever, they have the marks on the lane, or whatever, like, if you, if you were to bowl from two more over because of the way you throw, it's like, dude. I do this like twice a year. I'm not trying to be that much better at it. Like I'm here hanging out with friends, having a drink and we're just socializing. Like it's okay that I'm bad at bowling. <laughs> like, it, somebody telling you, Hey, if you would like to, you know, be really good at eating that hamburger and you turn it this way. Like, no, bro. Like, no, I try exactly. To be competitive. 
Like, I'm just enjoying it as it is. Like, and that is okay. Everything can be a different experience at different levels. Try to take something different away from it, but don't let yourself be mentally affected in the rest of your life outside of a game. Like, that is not healthy. Like, and I honestly feel if people start feeling that way, that a game is bringing you down so much that it starts affecting how you think about things away from the game, how you're interacting with people, you know, especially when you start reevaluating your self-worth because of a game. I think that's the time maybe you need to step away from the game for a little while and just check your perspective a little bit because that is just not good. But all right, Brian, we're over an hour already. Why don't you tell everybody <laughs> where they can find you on social media? I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. Lots of content coming up on Innistrad Midnight Hunt. And soon I have a fun little project I'm going to be trying to actually help other people get promoted. So hopefully I'll be able to talk about that soon. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself and your family with all the COVID and all that out there. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 